0: My question is, how do I go about politely kind of defending myself without starting heated argument if they ask about my birth plan and choices, which they clearly don't align with? I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and they wanted growth scans because of this. And my baby turned out to be about 10th percentile. I was labeled IEGR and they wanted to induce
1: me at 38 weeks. But what do you mean when, when who
2: touches the baby's head?
1: So fetal scalp stimulation, you can go in and do a vaginal exam and you can actually scratch the baby's head with your fingers. Oh my
2: God. I can't hear any more of these. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Can we get out of there? We're not supposed to be in there. The baby is in the most sacred, private, intimate place that there is on earth inside another person's body. And we are like trying to climb our way in there and say, are you okay? Does this bother you? Does that bother you? Right. Right. It's so disrespectful to the baby. I mean, where does it end? I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist.
1: And I'm Tresha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do. But how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth.
2: Hey. Hey there. Welcome to the November Q&A. How is everyone? How
1: are we starting today, Tricia? Do you have something? I do have something, something. I guess it's, it's kind of like an anecdote story question. <laughs> an anecdote oh.
2: story question. You know, do you know in German that would become a noun? Anecdote story question? They would just make that <laughs> what, one noun. What would the and, word be? Well, German is known for like making up words. They just stick all the words together into one word. And it would be a feminine word because frage is question. So they would have, they would put it all together ending with frage and it would be a feminine so word. So we could call it a Q and frage. Oh, nice. German English concoction you just came up with there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? That, was,
2: that sounded very... Strange.
1: So we're going to open with a QN Faga. I just, I just learned of a new
2: German word. I ha- now See, now I'm sidetracked. I just learned of a new German word this week. That's because they make up words and it's really clever. It's a very original language. They have one called, um. it's closing gate panic. Closing gate what panic. What does it mean? It means that you start doing things in a rush in life because you're afraid you're running out of time. Mm. Like uh, someone who is in their 40s and rushing to get married and have a baby. Like they actually have a word for that feeling, and it's
1: called Closing Gate Panic. But that sounds exactly like what I just did. It's like an English word, but not. Uh, well, oh, I didn't say it in German. Oh, you think I just spoke German? <laughs> I was like Closing geez, Gate Panic, that could think... be German. <laughs> no, it's... I think everyone well, said it in German. Who knew that was English.
2: <laughs> I mean, really, I'll be shocked if one other soul on earth thought that was German. Closing Gate Panic. God. No, no. it's very German. It doesn't sound like German. No, no, it doesn't. Anyway, okay, now all the German listeners are having a very good the word blast. in German. I think it was like "Torschlußpanik," which is gate clo- gate closed panic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, we have a Q and Faga, and it is um, I shall read it. Hi, ladies. I have been an RN for four months now and work in labor and delivery. Although I work in a hospital where birth is medicalized, I have done my own research outside of nursing school and wholeheartedly believe in holistic ways of life and believe that our bodies were created by God to birth naturally. I also have a dream of becoming a midwife someday. Recently at work, we had a G8P7. That means pregnant eight times seven babies. Uh, a G8 P7 come in with a birth plan of having a natural birth with intermittent monitoring, no epidural, no Pitocin, and only interventions if absolutely medically necessary. She knew her body. She has had seven children. who would by now. <laughs> <laughs> and has birthed naturally several times. She came in at 37 weeks, one centimeter dilated with her water being broken for about five hours and said that the fluid was clear, no odor, had been feeling baby moving all day. We hooked her up to the monitor for 20 minutes, and baby's heart rate was 130 to 150, very normal. And the doctor ordered a biophysical profile because she was worried about how long her water had been broken. The ultrasound technician said that it was difficult to do the ultrasound and pick up movement and blamed it on the mom's size. The score on the biophysical profile was 6 out of 8. Then the technician called us back and said it was four out of eight with the points off for fetal movement and tone. The doctor ordered us to prep her for C-section just in case and came in to talk to the patient about what the biophysical profile showed and how she felt would, and how she felt it would be best to do a C-section. She didn't quite understand because she had been feeling the baby move and its heart rate was good. The doctor checked her cervix again. It was three centimeters and applied a fetal scalp stimulation to get the baby excited but baby didn't respond as she wanted her to the doctor then did another ultrasound and determined that the baby still didn't have great movement or tone. So we quickly got her to C-section. The baby came out with APGARs of eight and nine and was perfectly fine. Since I'm new and I do believe a bit differently than my coworkers, I feel as though I will just get a generic answer. If I ask if this was actually medically necessary, my question is how necessary was the biophysical profile? Did this situation absolutely permit a C-section or if we would have let her labor on her own could things possibly have turned out fine i know these are million dollar questions but in your opinion how reliable is that bpp <laughs> thank you okay so um let's break this down she was 37 weeks she was in labor her labor her water had been broken for 5 hours which is perfectly appropriate fine nothing to be concerned about not Reason to order a biophysical profile. The baby's heartbeat was in the 130s to 150s. Perfectly normal heart rate. The um ultrasound tech had difficulty gathering information on the biophysical biophysical profile for whatever reason. So how do we even how can we even say that the score of six out of eight then dropped to a four out of eight was even? Valid if the ultrasound tech was not able to get a good scan on the mom, which well, we, we hear this. Yeah, we know We this. hear things
2: like, well, we weren't able to test it, we weren't able to check it, so therefore we have to assume XYZ. Do you remember that story we shared? I wish I could remember the details, but I read it in one of the podcast episodes, I think, and it wasn't that long ago, but like a woman had, I think it was a singleton, one baby. And they just, maybe it was twins, but they couldn't see like one foot based on how the baby was positioned. And just the doctor was like, I'm going to feel a lot, I'm going to feel a lot better about this when we can guarantee we know how that other foot is. And they just put her through like all this stuff. As if there was going to be a problem with the foot. It's ridiculous. But this case, didn't the doctor like change the number? Well, based on they, they, they it based said some fetal the, movement.
1: Does, they gave the biophysical profile score a six out of eight, and then the technician called back and said it was a four out of eight. They Based took on points off for lack of fetal movement and tone. Imagine a, a rag doll, that's no tone. Got it. And then a healthy baby has good tone. And they observed
2: this by watching it on ultrasound? Yeah. This is, the, this is like when we start over testing, this is where we start making things a lot less safe.
1: Well, so the whole point of this question is, what, did she actually need um, a biophysical profile just because her water had been broken for five hours and her baby had been moving fine? And now that's No, that's so, a definite no. That's a definite no. <laughs> so <laughs> why, do, why are we even doing a BPP? That's, and then to go straight to a C-section right. without even giving this mom that's a terrible. chance to labor and see how the baby actually tolerates labor. And there was, unless we're missing part of the story, there was no indication that the baby wasn't tolerating labor. She did say she did fetal scalp stimulation. So when you touch a baby's head, you want to actually see that the heart rate increases. But what do you mean when, when, who touches the baby's head? So fetal scalp stimulation, you can go in and do a vaginal exam and you can actually scratch the baby's head with your fingers. Oh
2: my God. I can't hear anymore. Are (laughs) you kidding me? Can we get out of there, we're not supposed to be in there. The baby is in the most sacred, private, intimate place that there is on earth inside another person's body inside. And we are like trying to climb our way in there and say, are you okay? Does this right. bother exactly. you? Does exactly. Does that bother you? Right.
1: It's so disrespectful to the baby. I mean, where does it end? maybe the, you know, okay. For the baby was born with Apgar's eight and nine. So the baby obviously was doing fine. Maybe this baby was going, maybe there were some other indicators that the baby was going, not going to tolerate labor well over the long haul, but this woman was having her seventh baby. She probably was going to have a very fast labor and they didn't
2: even give her a chance to labor. I'm surprised a seasoned mom like that wasn't more vocal I want to say empowered, but I really don't know if she felt empowered or not, but I'm just surprised she wasn't saying this isn't adding up. I've done this many times before, more than all of you people in the room put together. <laughs> right. She probably did have more babies than all the people in the room put together. Um, yeah, I mean, there is no justification for the biophysical profile. I I don't know. Who, well, not based it, on her water being broken. That's for sure. There had to have been something that's the else. I'm talking about. No, I, I don't agree. There had to be something else. I think they just roped her into saying, Oh, you're a member. Well, I'm water saying in order to, to justify a biophysical profile, there would need yeah. to be something else. Right. And then because she was willing to do that, they could now very easily say, and it, I'm not saying it wasn't correct and true, but they could very easily say, oh, I don't like this tone. I'm not, I'm not thrilled with this fetal tone. Now, ACOG says your membranes can release for days. GBS negative, of course, because otherwise it's a another conversation. But you can have membranes released for days, so it doesn't sound fair. I think this nurse is on to something, and she sounds like she cares. And I'm sure it's very frustrating for her and her job to be, you know, to be witness to these things and ultimately not to be the one making the decisions.
1: I think she should ask the questions. I think she should ask the questions of the doctor and get some answers from her, you know, get her to really justify her decisions and explain why, why she felt that was really necessary because this woman didn't even get a chance to labor. All right. That was a great
2: letter to share. Thank you for that. Ready? Mm -hmm. Let's get on to our questions. Hello, ladies. I've been a big fan of your podcast lately, ever since getting my positive pregnancy test.
0: My husband and I had been trying to conceive for almost a whole year, but we're very excited to become first-time parents. Um, I have a great group of supportive friends who've used the line with mine, but I also have a less supportive group of friends who I've known just since I was little. They've recently expressed in conversation how they'd never give birth out of their vagina and wanted to do a C-section because recovery is a breeze and it's easy. I'm sure you're as speechless as I was. Um, they began to question me about what I would do if my baby was breached, It's almost like they wanted me to say that I'd have a C-section at that point. I responded with something like, I don't know, but I'd weigh out my options in that situation because I didn't really know about thinning babies or other midwife-guided options back then. My question is, how do I go about politely kind of defending myself without starting heated argument if they ask about my birth plan and choices which they clearly don't align with? This goes for any other old-fashioned family member or friend that that they won't believe that I can do it naturally or support me with no epidural. Um, I'm going to be telling these friends in the upcoming months, which I'm sure they'll honestly be really excited about, but I'm not really looking for their support in my decisions, but I don't know how to answer their crazy, um, kind of like passive-aggressive questions on the spot. Um, I often look back at the conversations we've had, and I wish that I answered differently or advocated better or just really didn't say anything at all when they brought these um, subjects up. So thank you for your advice. Um, Let me know what you think. Um, What what, what would you say in this kind of situation when you have those friends or family members that just aren't supportive, um, but they still want to dig dig deep and kind of ask me these questions? Um, Thank you so much for your endless contributions in this space. And I look forward to hearing from you. And I hope you answer this question. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Great question. I really enjoy this one. Because this is a good one. So many people deal with this. I dealt with this myself. I don't know about you, Trisha. It probably didn't affect your life because when you got pregnant the first time, you were surrounded by midwives and your entire community of friends, and you're, you know, getting your your masters. But this is very real for a lot of us.
1: Yeah, I think uh, some family members of mine were not totally on board and supportive of what I was doing, but I just chose not to talk to them about it. I only talked to the people who were supportive and the people closest to me, like my own siblings and my own parents were supportive enough um I mean my mom did let me give birth in her house, so <laughs> that's pretty damn supportive Trisha. she was pretty supportive my my father showed up um so that was supportive He was there at the birth um so so my answer so my answer is only talk to the people who are going to support you, and if you know they're not going to support you. All right. Step aside here. Let me tell you how it really is for women. You can't
2: only choose to talk to the, I sounds perfect. I agree with you with almost everything in life, but now my situation, I couldn't, I couldn't avoid it because I was pregnant working in the corporate world. And you can't even, you can't show up to work and not talk about your pregnancy when you, you know, work You with don't a, have to tell them where you're giving
1: birth.
2: Oh my gosh. What happens at work is you're very close to some people. And we, I mean, that people you're close to find out we had, um, you know, we were the, we were the risk management team and we were a very close group of about 20 people. And um, yeah, no, but like my very close friends knew. And it's like, everyone was nice and supportive, but before you know, it, it's like, the, you know, the woman from HR was walking by my office once and came in and said, I heard you're having a natural birth. Like, let me just tell you. And, you know, you can't control it and stop it all the time. People talk. And yes, your advice is perfect. It's just very difficult to pull off. Now with this woman, it probably is good advice because she could avoid them, I guess. But here's the thing I noticed in what she said. She said, how do I politely defend myself? Who says you have to defend
1: yourself? One thing that, that I find, what? I think that's my point. You, you, you don't have to ignore people. It's not like you avoid those people, but when they bring it up, you don't have to defend yourself. You simply say, You either don't say, you can say my birth, I'm not choosing to talk about where I'm giving birth, or you can say I'm giving birth at home. And that's the end of the conversation. Look, if they're that interested, they can spend the hours that you spend
2: listening to podcasts and reading and educating yourself. Clearly, they're not that interested because they're going to you for the information. Whatever it is you decide to do in your life, you just don't have to explain to anybody ever. Just keep them really at bay. Back to what Trisha said, but keep in mind why you're not defending yourself.
1: I always, you know, one of my favorite lines, and it's not easy to put into practice. It's it's hard. It is a hard life skill to learn. But other people's opinions are none of your business. And if you just keep reminding yourself of that. Your opinion is you, none of my business. Your opinion is none of my business. It does not matter to me. If I do care about your opinion, I will ask you. Right. If you're offering me your opinion, right. it's not my business. Right. Keep it keep it to yourself. You just politely decline. And the worst thing to do is defend yourself because then you're yeah. engaging. Change the subject. Move on. Say your decision very confidently. If my baby is breached, I will make decisions at that time that best suit me and my baby. That's all you have to say. Yeah. They won't know what to do with that. Just don't engage in the conversation. You say you say your piece and you end the discussion there. Yeah. You say, I'll get back to you. (laughs) Change the subject. Okay. Next.
3: Hi there. I had a quick question about early labor. So my son was born at 37 weeks and three days. He was small. He's about six pounds, 14 ounces, and didn't have a lot of fat on him. Otherwise, he was really healthy. My question is, is there any chance or indication that my second labor, second baby, could have another early labor or even premature labor. Um, I just want to make sure that there's nothing that I can be doing to prevent that or anything I can be doing to not have a super early water break. Any, any insight or any um, tips would be greatly appreciated. Thank you.
2: I think there's an argument both for and against thinking that you might have a premature baby the next time because we don't know the conditions of it. Like I didn't know if she was asking about having a small baby the next time, which can be in part genetics. Though you also have women who have one really small baby and then another baby that's three pounds heavier. But when she mentioned membranes releasing, that shifted the conversation in my mind. Um, because if she went into labor after her membranes released, then that's a different story that was specific to the baby. The only factor of that that might not be specific to the baby is that some women just like have much thicker membranes than, than other women. And some research came out that I found very interesting that showed that natural sources of vitamin C and citrus, which so many women crave in pregnancy, makes very strong membranes. So even to form a positive belief, like if you're group B strep positive or you had a premature baby and you're basically hoping your membranes don't release early, Um, just have a lemon a day. It's like the healthiest thing you can do. And it makes for very strong membranes. And I think the rest is out of everyone's hands.
4: Hey there, all you amazing, strong and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms to be I'm Taylor co-founder and CEO of vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, with raw cut hems. And to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com. And cherry on top, you guys can use code DOWNTOBIRTH at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy.
1: Down to Birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable. And postpartum soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sitz bath 24 7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti inflammatory properties. Postpartum soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot and use promo code birth. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder, perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. The chance of having premature rupture of Membranes or preterm? Did she say pre? Was her baby born preterm? He was born on
2: time, thirty-seven in three days, and he was actually a good weight. She described him as small, but he was almost seven pounds, right, which so is pretty died. pretty impressive for that. I, it sounds like a good weight to me for
1: thirty-seven weeks. Yeah, so he technically wasn't premature. But if you do have premature birth, the chances of having premature birth are definitely higher the next time. But this is not that. She just had she just had uh, rupturing like- membranes. Early, late, late preterm. So I would agree with you. Um, reducing infection, infection is often the cause of premature rupture of membranes. So that could be vaginal infections, yeast infections, bacterial vaginosis. Um, GBS might be part of that. Um, STDs, anything like that, can increase the risk of the bag of water breaking too soon. But nutrition plays an important role, just like you said, in the integrity of the strength of your bag of water. Sometimes this just happens and there is nothing we can do. So I wouldn't have her focusing on this happening again. The fetal movement can cause it, no? Yeah. But if you have a stronger bag, it's less likely to break. Right. Right. No, exactly. Yes.
2: Yep. Okay. Moving right along. Right along.
3: Hi ladies. This is Michaela. Um, sorry if I'm a little emotional. I just got done with my 36 week appointment with my OB and, uh, I just, I don't know. It was quite an interesting experience. First of all, I was informed that I was going to get my groupie strap done today, which I was fully expecting. But as she walked in, she also said that she was going to do a cervical exam and she did not ask me if we were, if I wanted to do one, but she just told me that we were, and I, I need to work on being more assertive and advocating for myself, but it's just hard when you're OB or someone is very pushy, and she really wasn't this pushy up until now, I feel like, but nonetheless, she told me that we were going to do a cervical check. I made her know that I wasn't comfortable with that, and I didn't really see a need to do it, especially since it's so early, and she mentioned that she wanted to make sure the baby was head down, which prior to the exam, she also said she noticed that the butt was up higher on my abdomen. So that kind of ruled out the whole um, need to do a cervical check. Nonetheless, she did one anyway. And then I also was asking her how late she'd be comfortable with me going past my due date or death date. And she said 41 weeks typically because the longer you wait past 39 weeks, the higher the chances of C-section are. And I just was dumbfounded by that because I know that's absolutely not the case. She also said we're, we can do a flu shot next week, which I absolutely do not want to do either. <laughs> just wanted to get your perspective and definitely looking into maybe changing providers and, and in the future, working with a midwife for someone else. So thank you both so, so much for everything you do. Your work does not go un- underappreciated.
2: All right. This is total bullshit. <laughs> I know. Where to you where to even begin? I wrote down so many notes listening to that just now the cervical
1: exam is total bullshit that is so unnecessary if the if the if the ob can't determine the baby's position abdominally which she should be able to do because that is a skill of being a maternal health provider that everyone should have then she could at least use an ultrasound. If she was that concerned, you don't need to go in there and stick your fingers inside her and confirm the head position that way. There is no benefit to that. I can't even understand what her motivation is because it's not like you can charge more for that.
2: Well, this is a very pushy midwife. She mentioned the flu shot. That's also none of the midwife's business. It makes no sense at all. They haven't tested on pregnant women. I mean, it just, it speaks volumes to how it's, you know, she's just overstepping things. Um, I feel I feel so bad when I hear a woman like this saying like, I should be better at asserting myself. My first thought is you just shouldn't have to be. I'm all for us being assertive. You know that, but we shouldn't have to be, we shouldn't have to go through things where like, especially it's your body. I'm like, you have to assert yourself against whom exactly. Like, how did you end up at this situation where someone is doing this stuff to you and you are blaming yourself for not being more assertive and saying, stop it just shouldn't be like this. There should be so much more respect and space and um, respect for that mother. I mean, anyway, I don't want to, it go should just be a simple,
1: no, thank you. There is no benefit to doing it. So I don't even understand why this provider is so pushy about it. It's like, well, what is she getting out of doing it? Just power I and I control because there is nothing useful. There's it, it and it's not even money motivated. I always, you know, kind of go back to liability or money, and it doesn't provide either of those. No. So, so
2: it might be what you were saying, control or something like that. Just the power most dynamic. Statement of all is that she said this is so upsetting to me that she said this this nonsense rhetoric. There's a higher chance of security. after 39 it's just absolutely false. But here's what gets me like this. I remember years ago doing research on, on episiotomy and tearing. And I remember how many articles said like, this increases your likelihood of an episiotomy. And I'm thinking, am I going crazy? Is this just me? And episiotomy is a conscious, intentional action. It doesn't just happen. Like I could see something increasing the likelihood of tearing because that's spontaneous. What and- was
1: increasing the risk of episiotomy? Like the whole
2: article was like such and such. I don't remember. Like if you do this, if you do that, older moms have a higher risk of episiotomy. I'm like, what are you talking about? Someone is cutting her. Choosing That's a provider intervention. Someone is choosing. And that's how this sounds. Like it's, what do you mean after 41 weeks, there's a higher chance of C-section? That's not how this works. C-sections don't just happen. And the vast majority of them are absolutely unnecessary. The vast majority, or else you wouldn't have midwives like, Ina May Gaskin, who's attended thousands of births, and her average C-section rate was 14 women per thousand. So she would laugh at that and say, really? After 41 weeks, the odds are higher? Almost 99% had vaginal births. And now we have these midwives acting like uh, uh, this notion that we know when the baby should come out. C-sections didn't used to happen like this. You know, for the whole first half of the 20th century into the, into the seventies, they just didn't do C sections, and, 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 and they didn't induce women. Now they're sixty, and and they didn't induce women either. So more women went to forty-one or forty-two weeks. So more women went later, and the C section was
1: way lower than it is today. It's a it's a host of red flags. Yeah, and it's just so it's the it's the fear mongering that it's just it's it's not a healthy conversation. A healthy conversation could have looked more like well. If you go past 41 weeks, you may, you know, your chances of developing a pregnancy complication may increase. And therefore, I recommend, if this is her position, a, a C section at 39 weeks. And then the woman should be able to very politely say, I decline. That's not the path I want to take. That's not the birth I want to pursue. And she should say, okay, no problem. I support your decision. That's how it should work. Okay, so that's a wrap for the uh, non-extended version of this month's Q&A. And if you'd like a little more of us, head on over to Patreon or Apple subscriptions where you can get more questions in the extended version of this episode. Let's get into our quickies. Are you ready? Let's see how quick we can do our quickies. Okay. Today is the challenge. We're going to be quick. Okay. Should it first one, should a doula stay after birth to help initiate breastfeeding? I think so. Somebody should, that's for sure. Nobody should be leaving until that baby has latched on for the first time or second time or third time. So yes, your doula probably should stay. How necessary are blackout curtains for baby naps?
2: Babies get used to whatever conditions you create. That's, that's my quick answer. Uh, they are not necessary. I've never used blackout curtains for anybody's naps. I did use them and I made my life very difficult because the conditions had to be perfect and silent and dark for my, for my firstborn to sleep. So if I could redo it, I would go Trisha's way. No blackouts. All right. Get your vitamin D while you nap. <laughs> my mom used to put me outside in a little
1: stroller. Yeah. To get some, to take my D. outdoor nap. Yeah. yeah. That's a great way to nap a baby, actually. Mm-hmm. Is it necessary for my midwife to take my blood pressure during labor? It is appropriate care to check blood pressure in labor.
2: Mine wasn't, and you were one of my providers. <laughs> <So> you never <laughs> checked your blood pressure a single time? I never had my blood pressure checked in labor. Really? Not even when they first got there? No. Unless, I mean, I sincerely believe No. I mean, well, I, you know, I had I had low blood pressure at all my prenatals, so maybe they just didn't think about it, but I, I thought it
1: was normal not to check blood pressure. No, it's definitely routine to check blood pressure and labor. It's done every four hours in the hospital. It's done a lot less at home birth. Usually at home birth, if you've had normal blood pressure throughout your pregnancy, you get one blood pressure check at the start of labor, maybe one throughout, depending if you have a long labor afterwards. Yes. But so I would say the answer to this question is Yes. But you can decline always. Next, why are my close friends and relatives so anti natural, unmedicated birth? Because you're special. (laughs) They don't
2: trust birth. Because of their society and culture, and because of, yeah, because that's why they have their fear. That's why they have their opinions. They have their non evidence based opinions. That's how most of us go through our lives, having been influenced by what's around us with very limited critical thought and we have to be aware of that as we go through life.
1: Does baby get milk between letdowns at the breast and what kind of milk is it? Say hey, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> if it ain't chocolate I don't want it. <laughs> um yes, they get milk and they get breast milk and uh, you don't need to worry about what kind of milk it is beyond the fact that it's breast milk. And most women have an average of 2 to 3 letdowns per feeding. So Yes, babies getting milk in between. It's just the letdown is when the milk is coming faster. Do babies need to be burped after every feeding? What if you are co-sleeping or dream feeding? Do you still need to burp your baby? That's a really quick quickie. That's a no. You do not need to burp your baby after every time they feed. If they need to burp, they'll burp when they go when they get upright. If they're really relaxed and sleepy, you should be able to lay them down, and they probably don't need to burp. And if they need to burp, they'll burp laying down. Next. Can prolapse be healed or do you just learn to manage the symptoms? Well, there can be various types of prolapse. Yes, it can be healed and you should seek pelvic floor support, pelvic floor therapy to help heal it. You should not just endure the symptoms. All right. That's it for quickies. It's the, the last quickie is a personal question. This is a funny one. Uh Oh, what is it? <laughs> what old person things do each of you do? Oh. Where should we begin? What old person things? Okay. Um,
2: I should have a really good one to this. Hmm. I know mine.
1: Should... Here's the first thing that came to mind for me. I've definitely become a little bit of a bird watcher. You
2: have. I just <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a real thing. It's a real thing. I didn't know you have. That's so nice. My husband's always been into nature and he's always known about birds since he was young. So I never thought of
1: that as an old person thing. I I don't even know that much about birds, but I find myself looking for them and watching them and observing them a lot more than I ever did in my life. And I realized like, oh, I must be getting old. I watch birds. That is a completely, (laughs) really correlation. Some people like
2: nature at all ages.
1: I do love nature at all ages, (laughs) but I just didn't bird watch
2: that's really funny. Okay. I thought of mine. Okay. I great.
1: Of two things I do that are
2: traditionally things that old people are thought to do.
1: You put it so politely. What do you mean? What's the, what, just, what would be the
2: just, non-polite way of putting what I said?
1: I would, <laughs> this is my old person thing. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. These are well, the things I mean, that are traditionally. One of them actually feels that way to me. One doesn't. So the first one is that I sew. But I've done that since I was 13 and I do counted cross stitch and I absolutely love it. And I'm my my daughter doesn't know, but I'm working on an amazing project for Christmas if I can get it done. That's one thing I do and I've always done. Um, and the other one that I did take up this year in July that I have been religiously doing every Monday morning is Tai Chi. (sighs) And I definitely bring down the average age in my Tai Chi class. Uh, Tai Chi is an older person sport. Well, my son predicted that when I went there and he always thought Tai Chi was cool, but he was like, you're going to be, you're going to be the youngest person there. They're going to be all very old. And there's one or two my age. And then there are a handful who are much older and our instructor is incredible. And she hosted us all to a beautiful lunch at her beautiful home this week. But Tai Chi is I used to kind of laugh at it in my mind because it looks so silly and you're standing and like waving your arms and it's nothing like I ever thought. It's extremely complex. It totally engages the mind. It's very difficult. You have to know exactly which way you're like, your hand is tilted, how much weight you're putting on one foot versus the other foot. It truly engages the mind and body. And my instructor, she is Chinese. She's phenomenal. I'm digging it. Young people are missing out. It's very, very, very cool. So there. Okay. That's it. (laughs) I'd I'd be much more concerned if she said, what young people habits do you have? I'd be like, Hey,
1: (laughs) I mean, unless going to bed at nine o'clock counts.
2: Oh yeah. You are so good about that. You're so good about going to bed early. That's so good. All right. So that's it for today. That's it for this month.
1: If you haven't joined our book club yet, you're really missing out. Book club. Yes. Join our book clubs. Keep your mind young, fresh, and healthy by joining our book club.
2: Yeah. And whenever you join, you can do the current book live or, and you can see the library of all our past episodes, but they're all video episodes. They're totally unedited, which stresses me out, but that's my new, that's my growth that we don't edit video. So you see us talking about the book chapter by chapter. It's $10 a month. And with that, you get all the benefits from tier one, which is all the extended ad-free Q&A episodes, including this one. And you know what the okay. best part of the book club
1: is? Honestly, I think
2: the best part of the book club is the WhatsApp the WhatsApp group. chat? Yes. Yeah, Everyone's together in the WhatsApp with us.
1: That's you really We get to have fun, personal conversations there. So yeah. even if you're not that curious about the book, but you should be because we're going to do some pretty good books.
2: We just did a great one.
1: Come on over just so you can join the WhatsApp group. Talk to us. Thanks for joining us at the Down to Birth Show. You can reach us at Down to Birth Show on Instagram or email us at contact at downtobirthshow.com. All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live online serving women and couples everywhere.
2: Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com/disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself.
1: So there's a lot of information in this um, Q and Faga. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
2: <laughs> it's "Frage Frage." Uh, Fra- <laughs> That's it. Now you're getting I it. I can speak German too. Die Frage, die Frage. Okay. okay. Good. I'm very, I'm very pleased, I am pleased German, that you're trying by the way. I know you are. Arbach. Wasn't wir Deutsch sprechen. I don't know what that means. I just said, but well, then we should speak German. Try me. Try you? Yeah. I just did when I said we should speak <laughs> German. <laughs> I said, what does that mean? Okay. I don't understand German.